Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome here to Strength to Strength. It's, it's good to be here with you uh, again this morning. It's a beautiful day, beautiful morning here in, in Pennsylvania. Looking forward to our time here this morning. Um, Joseph will be joining us. Uh, Joseph is from out in the Midwest. He's uh, been serving in Asia the last couple of years, and he's back for a little sabbatical here stateside. And uh, I got to be with him, be with him yesterday. Um, Joseph is, he's, he's not a robot. Um, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, you won't be able to see him this morning. Um, we're being careful. Uh, Joseph is working in a, in a restricted access country in Asia. And so we want to be careful that um, we protect him and his identity and his family. Uh, so he won't have his camera on here this morning. Um, but he's real. Um, just just yesterday, I had the the privilege of of being uh, at an event with him, with here with all nations, and and he he spoke to us um, just just yesterday. So that was a real blessing to hear to hear about uh, his his work and what's happening over there uh, with with that people group, Muslim people group uh, in in Asia. Um, so yeah, we'll be just talking about what. Uh, with Joseph here, he's gonna be sharing with us what, um, yeah, what led him into this work and some of his life experiences. Joseph is a storyteller. He, uh, he's somebody who, who um, always has a story, and uh, I've always enjoyed listening. So I'm sure we'll have, we'll have a, we won't have a dull moment here this morning. Uh, so before we get started, let's just bow our heads for prayer. Let's pray, Father, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Father, you've been so good to us. We here uh, on this channel, we on this call, um, each one of us, Lord, is able to read. Each one of us has God's word in our language. Each one of us has been raised, not each one, not all of us, but some of us have been raised in a Christian home. Um, and we've, we have a heritage, Lord, that has, is such a blessing. And Father, um, I want to ask, Lord, that this morning, as Joseph shares about his work in Asia with this large Muslim people group and his calling there and what, what led him there, Father, I pray, Lord, that it would not become about Joseph, but that it would be about you, Lord, because you're worthy, because you're at work in the world. You're redeeming the world to yourself. And we, and we have this amazing story in God's word of, of how he created us and then, and then how you have since that time uh, have been, been drawing people to yourself. You've been pursuing us, Lord. You want to see us in a relationship with you. You want to see us experiencing heaven on earth. And so, Father, um, I ask, Lord, that, that, that you would raise up more People, more laborers to go into other parts of the world and to, to just um, steward what they've been given for, for, for the advancement of your kingdom, Father, that more people could come to know your story and more people could see your glory, Father. So, I, Father, just ask, Lord, that you would, God, direct this call. Um, bless Joseph as he shares, Lord, 
And we ask that you protect um, all, all what's involved here. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Joseph, uh, good morning. Good are, morning. You, are, you, are you with us? I'm with you. All right. Sounds good. So, yeah, you and I haven't had much of a chance to talk about this call. Uh, we've had a really busy week. Um, Joseph was, and his family were here with us in State College. We had our annual <laughs> camp week here. where We have training for members in training. And so, you know, any field members that are back, join us here. And so we had a really big week, even a pretty late evening last evening. Um, so uh, both of us are tired. Um, but that's okay. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm very thankful we can have this call and, and we can, you can hear his story. I've always been challenged about how God has worked in, in Joseph's life. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, Joseph, where you come from in, in, in the Midwest, um, just your background, and just any, um, any things that, that were informative in in making you who you are and especially giving you a burden for the Bibleless unreached. Um, so all your, all yours here. I'll try to jump in and ask some questions along the way, but um, it, hey. the, next, the next 40 minutes is yours, brother. Okay, great. Um, well, I'm ethnically an Amish Mennonite. Uh, historically probably more Amish than Mennonite so I grew up in the Midwest and part of a medium-sized community a lot of good things there Uh, I love my my home community have so many friends there uh I have everything I need there. I have a good job. I have a small farm. Uh, Farming, agriculture, livestock, husbandry, those are things I enjoy. Uh, I love doing construction work. And... In many ways, I I feel like I have it made where I come from. I have an old house I was able to fix up and make comfortable. have many, many family, uh, extended family nearby. So uh, a friend of mine was one time visiting my house and he told me, hey, you know, you've got it made here and and I know... I know people from other parts of of the U.S. who would gladly give a million dollars to have the things you've got right here. Now, I didn't pay a million dollars for the things I have. (laughs) I bought them cheap and fixed them up. (laughs) But uh, in many ways, I was able to kind of live out a a little little dream, uh, having my own farm. But there were other interests, too. Uh, Ever since I was young, I loved hearing stories about what God is doing in other parts of the world. Places where following Jesus was dangerous, where nobody 
ever heard about Jesus before, places where there was a really high cost, where if you wanted to follow Jesus, you needed to be willing and ready to die. So I've always, I've always uh, kind of <laughs> kept my mind turned to, to that part of what God is doing. So if I was ever in the church library and I saw a book that looked like, you know, had missionary stories or um, stories about, you know, God's work in other parts of the world, I tended to grab those books and, and read them compulsively um, until, until the book was completely finished. Um, if there was somebody giving a presentation at our church, someone that had served in, in another country, um, those were the, the presentations I didn't want to miss. So I believe, I believe it was God working in my life, keeping my interest turned in that direction. There was a, a announcement made at church one one day. Uh, one of the brothers at church said, "Hey, there's a there's going to be a banquet next month. Uh, for, there's a Bible translation organization going to be uh, giving a presentation here in town. And if anyone wants to attend, uh, show up." Well, that sounded interesting to me. So I made sure, yeah, I'm going to, I signed up and I'll, I'll go and, and hear that. This was, uh, um, this organization was not ABT that Bryant is with. Uh, this was uh, another much older organization um, from the wider Christian community. So, I learned some interesting things at that meeting. They were they were describing how they put a lot of work into sending people to support Bible translators. They were explaining how Bible translators often have to waste a lot of time doing physical labor, uh, whether it's housing needs or transportation needs or food needs or even medical needs. Bible translators sometimes have to waste, you might say, waste their time taking care of those things when someone else could do it just as well or better. And uh, a Bible translator could, could use his time so much better just concentrating on on the work of Bible translation, which is so important. And it, it kind of planted a seed in, in me. And because I never, I never saw myself as, as being able to do work of translation. That's, that means sitting at a desk. That means studying a lot. That means pouring over manuscripts. That means spending weeks and hours and years at a desk and I don't do that. I can't do that. I, that's not me. That's not who God created me to be. I like to get out and work. I like to work hard 
and sweat and uh, I do all kinds of different works. I like construction and I like agriculture and I like fishing and hunting and, and uh, butchering animals and eating them and things like that. So I couldn't, I couldn't do Bible translation, but then all of a sudden I saw, oh, I may have some skills I could offer to assist. So, so I thought about that a lot, and the time wasn't right yet. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, wasn't quite time for me to, to begin that, but there were definitely some seeds planted. And, and one significant thing that uh, happened at that meeting, they had a, a handful of prayer cards for language groups, people groups, that were still waiting on the scripture that, that did not have a scripture in their language. And so they were handing out these cards, and you could take one home and pray for them. So I grabbed a handful. And, uh, and, and invested some time praying for them over the next few years. I don't know the exact time frame, but a few years later, uh, there was another presentation at one of our churches, and this was by All Nations Bible Translation. Uh, Brother Joel Martin was presenting at our church, and uh, one of the significant things that happened that that evening, he he pulled out a poster that had had the names of all the language groups that are still waiting to receive scripture. Hmm. And each language group was about half an inch, took up about half an inch high of space and about uh, four or five inches wide. That's how much space on the poster each language group got. And I was amazed at how big the poster was. There, it was maybe eight feet tall and 16 or 20 feet wide. There was around 2,000 names on there of, of people groups. And I was just shocked. That many, these names don't represent individual people. They, they represent groups some of them with a few thousand people, some of them with a few million people. Mm-hmm. And these are people that up till now cannot access in their heart language the scripture. And the scripture is so precious to me. It is, it's what teaches me about God. It's what teaches me how to live. It's what makes me and my people group who we are. Mm-hmm. As, as followers of Jesus. So uh, that evening, uh, Brother Joel Martin also was, was explaining how their ideal Bible translation team would have some translators and possibly some other workers, uh, typically depending on the setting, may have some medical workers, may have literacy workers, and then just 
somebody that likes to work with his hands um, can often help with community development, uh, with other needs on the team, whether it's housing or transportation, things like that. And, and it's, I was reminded very strongly again that, oh, those are skills I have. Those are things I could do. Um, definitely not a scholar, but those other things are things I'm good at. I like those things. So that was just another thing that kept, kept taking me down the road uh, wanting to be part of a Bible translation team. Brian, ask me more questions. Where do you want to go with this? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, so you would have you would have picked up if I understand, if I remember right, you picked up a, a name of a people group there at that that banquet by the other translation organization um, and began to specifically pray for a specific people group, right? Yeah, I actually had a handful of those cards. Okay. All right. All right. Um, but somewhere along the line, you picked out um, a specific group. And, and maybe you could tell us how that happened. And because obviously you, you went to Asia with another brother and did some, you know, went to that area and did some survey work. So how did, how did you pick that, that specific group out of, this, out of that list of, of 2000? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, when I eventually joined All Nations um, and uh, hoping to, to be a support person on the Bible translation team. And, and I assumed uh, joining All Nations that there would be, you know, they would have projects going and they would have places where, where someone like me could be needed, could be useful and and they could just assign me to a place where where my gifts are needed and I was a little disappointed when they told me well actually we want you to own this one we want you to pray through this and see where God is directing you to go so oh please that's that's a hard decision to make I was hoping that decision was was already made for me so uh, that was a long journey right. trying to seek the Lord. Well, Lord, where do you want me to go? Um, is there a certain place where you want, where you want us to go? And uh, so I prayed about that with my wife. I prayed about that with some of my friends. And uh, I remember one of my friends uh got a sense for a certain country in Asia. And so we prayed about that and it seemed like, yes, that's the Lord is, is directing our, our hearts in that direction. And then I, I was looking at some of the, of the information on, on ABT's website and, oh yeah, I saw, yeah, they're, they are uh, wanting to do work in that country. And so it seemed like things were lining up and then, and then uh, we were talking about going on a survey trip, I and another brother, and uh, we talked about 
a few language groups that we could possibly survey. And I kept praying and asking the Lord, Lord, where, where do you want me to go and work? And every time I would pray that, I would just always hear that just in the back of my mind, that quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. And it would just always bring me the name of this certain people group that was on one of my prayer cards. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's so hard for me to discern. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to go off of just things that are bubbling around in my mind. These are big decisions and I don't, I don't like superstitions and I don't like just going off of my own thoughts. And, and so I kept praying and, and I'd say, come on, Lord, you know, I don't want to go off of just that. Where, where do you want me to go? And the same thought would just can't come the same place kind of in the back of my mind. Every time I would pray, every time I would ask uh, the same name, the same people group. Wow. So eventually I said, okay, this keeps coming back to me. And so if we're going to be going on a survey trip, I feel like I have to at least stop in to visit this people group. So I and the other brother uh, bought our tickets and, and we flew over there. And it was a new experience for me in an Asian country. Are you still able to hear me, Brian? Absolutely. Yes. You, you just keep right on going. You can talk a little bit about that, about that trip if you'd like. It'd be great. Yeah. yeah. So, so we were, we were uh, visiting different places in this, in this language group and simply doing surveys, uh, trying to assess how much are they still using their native language? How much are they using the national language? And is there a need for church planting? Are there opportunities for community development? Things like that. And so asking and answering some of those questions, we could see that, yes, these people, their language is still very important to them. Many, most of them are also able to speak the national language, but there are many of them whose education is not really high. Uh, you know, middle-aged people, especially perhaps some of the mothers, may have only gone through third or fourth grade, and actually reading the national language is difficult for them. At, at home, really, all they use is is their their mother tongue and sure. so people people like that actually do need the bible in their own language uh one of our one of our visits uh we were in a village a few hours uh farther from big city and we stopped and chatted with the village one of the village leaders um a government a government worker um respected man in the community, middle-aged fella. And, uh, and we were in our survey, we were uh, getting him to 
try out his reading skills. And we had, we had a portion of scripture there in the national language. And just asking him if, you know, read this for us and, and tell us how is your comprehension. And, and he was well able to read it. But he told us then, it's difficult to understand. This is hard to understand in the national language. But if you would translate this to my language, we would read it and we would understand it. Wow. Very good. Um, so maybe, maybe let, let's, let's pull back to this side of the pond again, Joseph, and, and talk just a little bit more about uh, the years of where you sensed this call or and maybe you joined All Nations, which I think, wow, was that like 2013 or in that range? Um, here we are. I keep track of years. I just kind of lived in <laughs> Here we are eight years later, you spent two years there now, but so you, it was about five, six years for you of just training and um, which wasn't full-time training. Obviously you were farming and, and in your community there a lot. Um, but could you talk about maybe how, uh, how those years were and maybe in particular um, what it was like to bring your church along with this, uh, maybe kind of methodology of all nations and kind of how that, how that works. Well, I don't know if I can explain all of that. <laughs> but, uh, so it it was a long process. Uh, Bryant already mentioned there were a number of years that passed. Uh, we started doing some training, some linguistic training with the uh, Summer Institute of Linguistic and uh, some other training. I think I took a, a tech course uh, with... Uh, New Tribe Missions, learning some of their solar tech things, how to how to set up electricity when you're in the middle of the jungle, which mm-hmm. I'm not, but some really useful things to know. Um, so one of one of the things that was in some ways difficult is that this did take a long time. We weren't able just to sign up and then, okay, now we go. There were a number of years of waiting, uh, waiting on team formation. Uh, so it was a good time of, of uh, you know, bringing my church along with this. And, you know, to start with, simply, I started by telling some of my friends, telling my pastor uh, of some of our interest. And then it seemed like it was important to give them time to process this, to kind of get used to the idea, uh, to start learning what this work is about. And then All Nations um, made a number of different trips to our, our church community, uh, gave some more presentations explaining what ABT does, uh, how how this works, and one of the one of the major philosophies of all nations is that organizations don't send people to to the to the mission field. 
churches send people and all nations. If you look at their vision and purpose statements and some of those things, it, they say very clearly they partner with churches to send people. So all nations doesn't send people. <laughs> so they they spent a fair bit of time visiting with our church and and uh, explaining what it what it means to be a sending church, um, helping us think through things like setting up a sending team, who's going to be responsible for for finances, making sure that there's money available. Uh, who is going to be responsible, let's say, if if someone needs to send us something in the mail? Who's going to be responsible for that? Uh, who will be my power of attorney if I have things that need to be dealt with here in America? Uh, who, who's going to do that? Who's going to pay the taxes on my house? Those are, those are important details. Uh, and then also as a church, is my church willing to, to support financially? And something I, w- I would like to say for my church, they have been very, very gracious at supporting us um, financially and, and through prayer. Um, in, in some of my different training stops, I was, I associated with, um, missionaries in training from many different church backgrounds. And often they are required to go around and do a lot of fundraising. And so they were often asking me, what are you doing for fundraising? And that was a little bit of a new thought for me. Because my cultural background, it's not, it's not as necessary. And so I would explain to them a little bit of the culture, the, the Amish Mennonite culture that I'm from. I would tell them, well, where I come from, people are taught to work hard and they have a tendency to do business. And they're also taught to give. We don't make a big showy deep. Uh, business out of it, but we're taught to give. And so what you end up with, hardworking people that like to do business, you end up with some wealth. There's there's money there. And then we're taught to give. And so there is money available. Uh, so I didn't have to do fundraising. I simply brought it to my church and said, this is what I feel God is calling me to do. Would you be interested in supporting and they were and they've been very very gracious in and faithful in in supporting us financially more importantly through prayer hmm. wow very good but well, why don't we um we could talk about a lot of different things that, that had to come together uh in order to get you to the other side of the world and especially in light of, you know, you're not doing a two-year stint there, right, Joseph? You're you're looking at a at a long time. Uh, yes, if, if the Lord right. keeps the way open, right? Um, it's, it's years to to see the scriptures translated and churches planted. Um, so it's a long-term proposition for sure. 
Well, why don't we um, go ahead? We're, we're getting out of time here um, very quickly. I know that you have tons of stories to share with us of how God has worked in the last, you know, you've been, been on the field for two years. Um, maybe just kind of give us a little bit of overview, like what you had to do when you landed there, um, you and your teammates, and then, um, and then, yeah, tell us, tell us some stories of, of what, what you saw God doing over the last, over the last two years. Okay. So we, we spent a lot of our first two years in language study. Uh, so to live in any country, if you cannot speak their language, it's frustrating. So we spent most of our first two years studying the national language and just learning how to live in this country. Uh, learning how to live with government regulations, government scrutiny, and uh, also networking and and building friends in the local community. Uh, We were very restricted on what activities we could do because of our visa. Uh, We did not have work visas. We only had a visit visa. And so we could study and we could visit, but actual actually doing work uh, was forbidden and so that, that's frustrating for me I love to work but it's just sort of what you have to live with so sometimes in in frustration with that you know I was praying and wondering God what do you want me to do I get bored sometimes I can't just sit around and study all the time and it seemed like God was directing me just live just just go through life Amen. Wash clothes, teach your kids, go shopping, go and visit friends and just live. And so it's fun to see how how through that I was able to to network and make many friends. So one of my hobbies is beekeeping. I I've been interested in beekeeping since I was a kid and and I I started seriously learning about it when I was a teenager. And over most of my adult life, I've kept bees and, and done well at it. Always have plenty of honey on hand. And so I, I loved experimenting with this in my new country. I had an awful lot to learn. The bees, the, the species of bees are different. They're not the same kind that I'm used to working with in America. Uh, there's actually multiple different species of bees and so I have to start over as a beginner and learn about those but because of my interest my hobby I was able to to meet and interact with many people uh I remember one day I went on an excursion to 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 take out a a colony of bees uh, out of somebody's porch and I was with one of my friends, and he was he's a medium-level government official, uh, maybe kind of on the county level would be comparable. Um, and then later he moved into Department of Transportation. So he's basically like a police level working in Department of Transportation. So and he he's interested in bees, and so we were off uh 
taking some bees out of someone's porch. Well, the someone who owned the porch happened to be another policeman. And we brought another friend along who is a doctor. And the doctor is a good friend of mine um, who's treated different of my family members for some of our sicknesses. And he was interested in bees too. So he was there. I, I was with a doctor and a friend from the Department of Transportation working at a house where the where the guy is a policeman. And then we also interacted with another of their associates who's a soldier. And these are quite a quite an interesting variety of friends for me. And, uh, you know, I may not have chosen this particular set of friends, but this is just kind of who God brings across my path. And, and we're all together and having fun with honeybees. <laughs> so... Uh, I might, I might tell you just a few details about the country I live in. Uh, most of the people where I live are, are following Islam. And uh, that's, that's kind of a new experience for me, uh, living in the Midwest. We don't see much of that in America. Uh, but I've been living in the middle of a Muslim community for the last two years. Uh, I've, I've had a good time there. There's difficulties uh, living right across from a mosque and hearing that loudspeaker five times a day. Uh, it gets old after a while. And yet right there in this very, very foreign and sometimes uncomfortable setting, I, I make friends and one, one notable friendship. Um, there was a, a young man living very close to my house. Um, mm -hmm. a friendly young fella. Um, and he, he loved to come over to my house and just see what I'm doing and hang out. And often I would be maybe making a, a small beehive and so he's just there watching and we chatting and, and uh, I would teach him different things like uh, how to, how do you uh, cut a board square? Uh, that's something every boy should learn and every dad should teach his son how to cut a board square. Um, don't just cut crooked and all over the place, but cut it square. And then when you nail, nail some boards together, where is the best place to place, put your nail? And uh, interestingly enough, I knew this guy for most of a month, and I didn't realize he talks English. I just, I just used the national language, and he did too. And then one day I, I realized, what in the world? You talk pretty good English. And uh, <laughs> so I saw an opportunity. I wanted to help this guy to improve his English and uh, hopefully open up opportunities in the future if he can become really really proficient at speaking English so I said hey buddy from now on between you and I it's English no more of these other languages when you're with me my kids my wife we're going to talk English and he was happy he received the challenge and and uh, 
And we just switched to English after that. And so it's really good practice for him. And through that, our relationship grew a lot. Now, now this friend of mine grew up in a Muslim home and a very broken home. Uh, just living with the uh, pain of divorce, remarriage, and uh, a lot of anger in the home. And so here he was hanging out with my family and looking in and seeing, seeing us, how we live, realizing we are, are Christians, followers of Jesus, and, uh, and seeing, oh, well, this is, this is a nice way for a family to live. Uh, one man and one wife, children that receive discipline, but with the discipline is love. And uh, he was with us enough to realize we are, we're real people with, with problems. And yet seeing what a functional family could be like. And uh, in our conversations, spending time together, had many opportunities to simply sow seeds from the word of God. We talk about many different things. We talk about motorcycles. We talk about girls, about religion, about ghosts, and just always every day there's an opportunity to to say, oh, well, here's what the Bible says about that. Mm -hmm. So uh, after maybe a year of interaction, um, I realized this young man his heart is really turning towards the gospel. Mm-hmm. You have more questions about it, Brian, or anything else you were wanting to talk? When are we supposed to be done here? Oh, um, we try to wrap up in the seven o'clock range. So you got, you got 18 more minutes here yet, or 17 more minutes. Um, so you, go ahead. You need to finish up wrap up that little story about, about this gentleman. Um, yeah. And then whatever else, but it would be nice yeah. to open up questions closer to seven. Okay. I'll, I'll tell a few more, a few more okay. details of, of yeah. my journey with, with this young friend. Uh, so of course this, this young fellow was, was brought up as a, as a Muslim and, and he tried to be a faithful Muslim too. Um, you know, he would be playing at our house and, in the afternoon, there was a call to prayer, and he would run over to the mosque and do his prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, um, he admitted later that there was a very, very empty feeling with all of that. Um, he told me one time that he's been uh, he's been doing his prayers for for all these years, and never ever had an answer from Allah. The the God of Islam. And I remember one time we were, we were driving down the road together and, and he asked me an interesting question. He said, would it be wrong if, let's say, if I would change religions? Now, how do you handle a question like that? So I, I told him, you know, that's a pretty serious decision that's not something you can just 
decide one day, okay, I'm going to be this. That's something you got to, you have to think it through and you got to study. You need to understand what you're doing here. So if you're interested in something like that, you need to understand your religion. You need to understand Islam and you need to understand Christianity. You need to be studying the Bible and asking questions and, and learning, well, who, who is Jesus? You need to understand who is Muhammad. And so those were things we were working on for the next few months. More and more often looking into the Bible, seeing what the word of God says and talking about who Jesus is. And also looking at, at the Quran, at the other uh, writings, the other Muslim writings, at the Hadith, mm-hmm. which is the writings of the, the sayings and the deeds of, of Muhammad. And uh, we came across some, some things looking into the Hadith that were very disturbing. Uh, I don't know that we want to go into the details, but if anyone is interested in in studying the sayings and the deeds of Muhammad, look into the Hadith. And let's just say there are some really, really embarrassing things that he said and did as recorded in the Hadith. And for my friend, looking into these things, it was much of it was was new. They hadn't taught that when he went to um, to the Friday school uh, studying Islam. He was taught that Muhammad was the best man that ever lived, the greatest example for all mankind to follow. And all of a sudden. He starts looking deeper and realizing, wow. This was not the greatest man that ever lived. This man was very immoral. Uh, And so that was really disturbing for him to realize for all these years, he's following someone who's so terribly immoral, so violent, so hateful. And another thing he found very disturbing was that for the first hundred years of Islam, all of the mosques were facing a different direction than the ones are facing today. Uh, We we watched a documentary together. Um, If anyone's interested, watch the documentary, The Sacred City. Is that right, Brian? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's by, by Dan Gibson. It shows that for the first hundred years of Islam, all the Qiblas of the mosques were pointing towards Petra, not Mecca. And for the next hundred years, I think most of them were still pointing that direction. And then for a while, they pointed in a variety of directions. And then eventually, they all pointed towards Mecca. And uh, so that was very disturbing for him realizing what for all these years I've been using the wrong Kibla. Eventually, eventually um, looking at the evidence, um, 
the the bad character of Muhammad, the inconsistencies in the Quran, the the historical mistakes, um, he could see plainly. Well, this is this is a lie. I've been I've been taught a lie, and and then looking at the life of Jesus, um, realizing well, Jesus is obviously the way. Um, he's obviously the Son of God. Um, many times Muslims will 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 say, um, trying to disprove Jesus, they will say, "Well, show me in the Bible where does Jesus say I am God? Worship me." And and this young man, he said, uh, "Jesus didn't need to say I am God. Worship me. All he needed to do was all those miracles." And it was obvious. He said, just like you don't go around saying, I'm American. I'm American. He said, no, you don't need to say that. It's obvious. You've got, you've got a passport. It's obvious. You don't have to advertise that. And so he could see studying the life of Jesus. Well, yeah, obviously Jesus is the real thing. The hard part is not understanding. Uh, once you start looking scrutinizing islam once you start studying jesus it's not hard to see what the truth is it's not hard to understand the truth the hard part is being willing to make a break with your family and that's a hard journey it's a long journey it's a journey he's still in many of us have no idea what it's like, if you want to follow Jesus, would you be willing to become homeless? Would you be willing to become a person with no family, no relatives, no mother, no father? Is it worth it following Jesus? Thank you for sharing that story, brother. Uh, I know that it deeply touches your heart. Um, two things, would you mind giving us a name that we could pray for, for this young man? And is, is there ways that, yeah, that you're encouraging him? You know, obviously you're gone right now. Uh, are you able to interact with him and encourage him? How, how is that? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, for this call, let's call him Hans. That's an easy name to remember. Hmm. And I believe if you pray for Hans, God will know who you're talking about. Pray for him that he can keep following Jesus, that he can grow in faith, that he can grow in love, that he will be filled with the spirit of God. Pray for him. He's in a, he's in a really tough journey. Um, faces a tremendous amount of discouragement. So he needs prayers. Um, Brian, you were asking about how I'm able to keep keep uh, in touch with him. Well, in the Bible, Paul had some young followers. Uh, one of them was Timothy. And uh, Paul was uh, thinking about Timothy and, and wanting to encourage him. So he wrote him a letter. And I suppose that letter went on a ship and by a camel, and I don't know how, how all it got there. But finally, Timothy got his letter, and uh, 
that's nice. And, and we benefit from that. We get to keep those letters and read them too. This is a new world and everybody's got a cell phone. And so. Uh, you, you put yourself on mute there. Uh, if you go down to the bottom corner of your screen, there we go. Okay, try it again. Okay, what I was saying, this is a new and modern world. Everybody has a cell phone, so I can send text messages, and uh, I can talk on the telephone with my friend. Um, we we have contact frequently. Mm. My friend would have liked to have a paper copy of the Bible. Uh, in the national language or even in English. Um, but we agreed that, you know, there's a lot of risk with that. And so we simply downloaded a Bible app on his telephone and he discreetly hit it somewhere on his phone. And so he can study the Bible. Uh, recently during Ramadan, his family would make him <clears throat> go to his room to say the daily prayers for Ramadan. So he told me, well, he just go in his room and read the Bible. Wow. So yeah, we, we live in a, a time of tremendous opportunity. Uh, we, it is so easy to communicate right now. Hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, so what, if you could just zoom out about to about 40,000 feet and, you know, obviously you and your teammates are about to arrive back there again for another number of years. Um, what all, what, what's your goal there? And then what are some things that will you be doing to achieve that goal? Well, so my teammate, hopes to be working on Bible translation. So that's, that's just a long, tedious process. It's a huge work. So he'll be working on that for years and years as God allows us to live and work there. For myself, uh, we would like to see many small communities of believers meeting together for Bible study and prayer, uh, we are not building church houses, and we are not even encouraging anybody there to build church houses because it draws a lot more attention and pressure. Uh, but we would like to see groups of believers in Jesus uh, from a Muslim background meeting together in homes or in parks or in the woods or wherever and just gathering around the Word of God and fellowshipping. So what I'm working on right now, uh, community development using the SALT program. Uh, it's a microfinance, shared accountability, lending, and teaching. Uh, so that gives me opportunity to, to uh, network with a lot of people using native facilitators who have a burden for their own people able to to reach many many more people than i can personally 
have contact with. So it gives us mm-hmm. opportunities to visit villages week after week, sharing uh, business teaching that has uh, foundations in the word of God. And just, it gives us opportunities to make friendships that last for one year, two years, three years, week after week, going back over and over again and giving teaching. And, and there's, there will be many opportunities to talk about the Bible, about Jesus. Very good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. I'm going to open it up here for questions from the others, but maybe uh, while, while you are thinking, thinking about that, I, I got one more question for you there, brother. And, you know, you have a family. Um, the oldest of your children is, are, you know, about 14, 13, 14. Um, you know, there's, there's men on this, on this call who, who have families. Um, I know one or two who are moving their families to cities um, here in, in the U.S., and it's, that's big. Um, that's, we live here in a more of an urban setting. Um, what are, how, how do you face some of those challenges? How do you bring your family along, maybe in a bigger sense, on a mission like this? Well, it's not easy to move a family, uh, it's an awful lot easier to go somewhere as a single person, but there's a lot of blessings with taking a family and many of the relationships, the friendships I have are made possible because I have a family. Interesting. It's so much easier to relate to people. If you have a family, if you have a wife, if you have children, um, Children are kind of a universal culture bridge. And the neighbor children just love to come and play with my children. And uh, I have... I think, I think there's a reason for that. I, I'm, I'm, I've seen some videos of some big zip line that you put in on your property. Well, yeah, <laughs> the zip line is fun and the swings are fun and the bicycles are fun too. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So it's not necessarily easy for all of my children. Some, some enjoy it more, and for some, it's very hard. One of my sons, it's been really hard for him living in a, in a different culture. Language learning has been really slow for him, mm. and making friends is hard. Um, really, in any setting, making friends is, is a little hard for him. And... Uh, Sometimes he can be kind of resentful about it. And yet, um, I, I see God working in his heart too. Just last week, I, I heard him say voluntarily, he said, you know, I'm glad we were able to spend that time over in Asia so that Hans was able to hear the gospel. Wow. I didn't make him say that. He, I just heard him telling my wife that. I was so happy to hear that. Hmm. Amazing. And some some of my children uh, make friends very very easily, and uh, when the neighbor children 
come around and they call out a name, it's her name. They want to see her. They want to play with her. And they look up to her so much and have so much fun together. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, any questions here, brothers? Just uh, one quick question here. So uh, you had mentioned that five times a day, um, there's the call to prayer. And uh, then, of course, Hans would go running over there. But isn't it rather conspicuous that uh, you and your family don't go running over there? Uh, certainly the people around you would know that um, you're not a follower of Islam. Yes, conspicuous is a good way to put it. So we are openly Christian. Um, and that's okay in the country that we live in. It is, it is acceptable there to be a Christian although it's much, much, much better to be a Muslim. And there's a few other options that are officially acceptable. So you mentioned about being conspicuous. Yes, we are conspicuous, painfully so. And <laughs> we get tired of it sometimes. We feel like a city that's set on a hill. So, But our neighbors know that we're, we're not... Muslims and uh, and that's okay. Yeah, thank you for sharing. The pressure. I have a question. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Joseph was just saying he comes from a more Amish background. I was just curious how that worked with him going on a mission like that. I come from an Amish background too, and uh, we're not taught highly about things like that. But. Sure. So my, my background, I actually grew up in a beachy Amish Mennonite church, uh, but historically that comes from Amish. So I never was personally authentic Amish, but m all of my ancestors were. Okay. Yeah. But that... Uh, because we... It doesn't have to keep you from going. If God is calling you, uh, you can go. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. We just, we just hear it talk. When Jesus sent his 70 disciples out, he told them just to go to the children of Israel. And that's why we hear it all, except they're referring to the Amish then. But. Okay. So I was just curious, but you, you're not from the Amish. So. Maybe not authentic Amish for myself, but that, that is my cultural background. But uh, mm -hmm. the, the, one of the verses that God used over and over for me in the journey uh, to send me where, where we are, uh, it, it's a really tough thing. I was asking God, do you really, really want me to pack my family up and go over there? That's a long, long way. That's thousands of miles and the verse that kept coming back to me over and over is the verse, um, one of the last verses in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mm -hmm. And God has used that verse again and again to initially get us on, on the road and then to, to reaffirm that, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
thank you for that. Um, and thank you to you people that put this together. I enjoy listening mornings as I'm milking my cows. So. Wonderful. Welcome here, brother. So I have a question. You talked about it being okay to be a Christian in that country, but would it put you in the spotlight for um, connecting the dots of you being um, involved in converting Muslims to Christianity? Yes, it is a problem. And uh, my friend, his family, they're not fully aware that he is no longer Muslim, that he is a follower of Jesus. They do know that he has been studying about it, that he is interested in it. And this has caused tremendous anger with his mother. And he is forbidden to ever come to my house again. So, yes, there, there is trouble. There is, it's a problem if, if Muslims decide to, to follow Jesus. And I could get into all kinds of hot water. But I could stay here and get old and die of cancer, too. There's always that risk. Hello? Yes. Hello, brother. I'm, I'm actually, I actually live in Mexico. Uh, probably many of you don't know me, but I was Welcome raised here. as a... Thank you. I was, I was raised as a Baptist, um, a pastor's kid, and I got, uh, came across an Baptist uh, just searching for truth. And uh, I'm here at a little church... And we're trying to to follow the teachings of Jesus here in Mexico, uh, like two hours ago from two or two two hours away from Mexico City. Anyway, um, ever since I was a kid and I was a Baptist, I I always had like a desire to to go um, to a Muslim country. And uh, now things have changed. Um, I have a family. I'm. Uh, I have my uh, my chickens here and things like that. Since I don't have an Anabaptist background, I I have a degree and and uh, all of that. I, I work as a translator. And uh, interesting. Um, it's not something that I feel like the Lord is really calling me now to do, but it's just an open question. What if I wanted to go? What 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 piece of advice would you give me? Um, if I want to go. Well, if you have a degree, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Getting into a, many of these countries can be difficult and having a degree really opens up doors. That's something I don't have. And so I have to jump through a lot more hoops to get there. Um, so I, I'm not the one to push you in one way or another, but uh, the, something about if you want to reach Muslim people, it's really hard to reach them if you've never met them before. And if you don't live among them, um, if you don't see them every day. So uh, 
Yeah, if if the time is ever right and the Lord directs you and your family there, just go and live among them. And uh, he'll open up the opportunities. Man. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question, Ryo. And welcome, welcome here. Thank you. Is this your first time on, on, the, on this call? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've... I've uh, I've uh, watched some some other uh, uh, meetings. Sure, but uh, but this is the first time that I'm actually here. Okay, okay, great. Well, good to have you here. W- welcome here anytime. Looking Thank forward you. to getting to know you. God God bless you there on your journey there in Mexico. That's that's exciting to hear. God's Thank raising you. up His followers are everywhere. So hallelujah. Great. Any 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 more questions here? It's 10 after. <laughs> it's time to shut down. But yeah, any more? Um, Brother Joseph, thank you for, uh, for going um, and, just, and just living. Uh, that's, that's, that's a blessing. Um, and sometimes I, I get frustrated with being in the box and not being able to go. Um, with ministries I'm involved with here, this is where I'm called. Uh, and sometimes it looks greater to be there, um, but just just blessing them living there. And I've just recently been really blessed in being um, uh, in just in just being at work and making that my mission. Like my specific job this time is to be a mission to this person, and I'm learning to to just live. And uh, to bless in that way. And so I want to bless you for that. Thank you. Yes, man. Just have a question. Um, so do you see that, that uh, here in North America, um, once, once, once the Muslim people are out of their community or their strong uh, Muslim countries that they could possibly be more open if if they don't have a pressure from the families. We recently, a couple months ago, we we moved uh, into the city to reach people, and and we have Muslim neighbors um, all over, um, and um, I find that they're. They're very open to talk, um, but I'm wondering if that's if 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 they could if they're probably that barriers gone. Um, if if they come over to from an, come over to America, if they if that's one thing that's that's easier for them. So uh, Muslims like to talk about religion it's so much easier to talk to a muslim about religion than it is to an american uh but i'm really glad to hear that you live close to them it's really hard to get to know them if you don't interact with them and uh, you you can't really influence them for the gospel if you don't know them so it takes it takes time uh it takes many interactions 
And it takes genuine friendship, not just a friendship where they feel like you're friends with them because you want to convert them, but where you are friends with them because you really love them. Uh, that's where you'll have opportunity and, and the Lord will do his work. Joseph, thank you so much for, for coming on here this morning. We're almost at quarter after, so we better hey. shut it down. Uh, it's been really, I've always been challenged by your, by your life and by your stories and the way you live your life, the way you reach out. Um, you can tell a lot, you can tell, you can tell, you can tell a lot more stories um, here this morning, but that's okay. Well, um, this is, this is life. We, we, we don't have unlimited time. So, but yeah, let's, let's pray for Joseph as he works, as he heads back here shortly. And um, may, may God bless you all. Could you just lead us in prayer, please? You talking to me? Yes, Joseph. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for this chance to get together in fellowship and share. Lord, we ask that you will continue to bless each heart mm -hmm. that is here. Some are working. Some are uh, just sitting in their office. Lord, bless each one as you are speaking to each one, as you are taking each person on a journey. Keep leading. And Lord, thank you that these brothers are willing to pray for us, for my family, and also others that are working. And Lord, I pray that you will especially give a burden to each one of these brothers and sisters to pray for the Muslim peoples. And Lord, we believe that you are doing great work among the Muslim peoples, and you will continue to do a great work. Lord, stir our hearts to pray and to keep praying and also to keep interacting with Muslim peoples. We love you, Lord. We, we say, may your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you again for joining us here this morning. Have a safe travel back out to the Midwest today, brother. And you're up. And then next week, um, Lord willing, John D. Martin will be on, and he'll be doing the next segment of our series, King and Country. And his title is The King's Constitution. God bless you all, and have a great day. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. <laughs>